All right, it's time for another podcast. Libby, you ready? Libby. 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 Libby! What? Danger zone. Welcome back once again to the OST Party. This is a movie soundtrack podcast where movie fans and music fans get together and have a rocking good time talking about soundtracks to your favorite movies. Hi, my name is Joseph Wade. I will be your co-host for this evening. Here with me tonight, as always, is my lovely and belligerent co-host, Libby Cutmore. Hello. I have a lot of thoughts tonight. I have a lot of grievances and you people are going to hear about them. (laughs) Yes, tonight we're taking down one of America's sacred cows. Mm -hmm. The 1980s. Yes, just all of them. Just we're taking them down. We've, we've, we've spent so much time in the 90s that the 80s kind of felt a little underloved. So this week we're jumping back an entire decade and we're, we landed right smack in the middle of 1986 uh, where we're going to talk about uh, Tony Scott's Top Gun. Uh, one, I guess one of the sort of marquee premiere uh, signature hits of the 1980s. Yes, really, uh, this song immediately comes to mind when you think of of the 80s this movie comes to mind that image of uh tom cruise and kelly mcgillis in the uh the bomber jackets this movie just screams late 80s and i mean what what better way to uh to jump back into uh the 80s than with top gun even though we already did back to the future but top gun well we're back we're back in the 80s Uh, because it's the 80s and it's going to be around forever it's going to be around long after you and I are gone. That's for oh, sure. Oh, yeah. The 80s will outlive us. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> Just as Ernest Klein predicted. Sorry, <laughs> I've been listening to uh, 372 Pages, the podcast about uh, Ready Player One, and it's hysterical. I need to get on that. That sounds amazing. Oh, my God. It's delightful. I'm, I, I'm sure Top Gun is going to come up in it at some point. You know, as much as I hear and, and read about Ready Player One, I don't think I've ever heard it reference Top Gun. But I'm, huh. sure, I'm sure, it. I mean, how does it not, you know? Yeah, how honestly well. could it not? <sighs> well, there's there's no space lasers and there's no computers in Top Gun, so yeah. who gives a shit? I guess. And there's not really a whole lot of ladies in it either. <laughs> there's exactly two, and one of them <laughs> is, doesn't even count. That's true. One of, okay. <laughs> Goose's <laughs> wife doesn't count, really. Come on. No, poor Meg Ryan. Poor Meg Ryan. Um, so yeah, the Top Gun soundtrack. Uh, let's get some uh, stats Fun facts. Some stats and fun facts out of the way right now. Uh, It hit number one on the Billboard album charts uh, the week of July 23rd, 1986. My birthday week, believe it or not. Ooh, happy birthday. I know. Uh, Knocking Patti LaBelle's Winner in You off the top of the charts. Okay, well, now I really hate it. Uh Uh-huh. Well, get ready because it's going to get worse. Okay. Top Gun spent three weeks at number one, and it was knocked off by Madonna's True Blue. Ooh, that's a good album. Which stayed there for four weeks, and then Top yes. Gun took back number one for a single week, okay. and was knocked off by Lionel Richie's Dancing on the Ceiling. Okay, I'm fine with all of that. I'm actually surprised, because I would have thought it would have stayed uh, on the number one spot, like, forever, just with how much it's it's revered. 
I know, at least like through the end of the year, right? Yeah, just like Top Gun will will stay forever. But then Top Gun knocked off Lionel Richie and took back uh, the number one spot a week later. And then a week after that, Top Gun fu- was finally destroyed and defeated forever by Huey Lewis and the News uh, with their album Four. Ha. So Top Gun kind of fought for number one all the way from like July to October, which is a pretty solid chunk of time. Yeah, I, that's respectable, I guess. Um, yeah. All right. But in that, um, in that time and since, it went on to do uh, nine times platinum in the U.S., 13 times platinum worldwide. So this was a gigantic hit. Yeah, I think that says a lot. It says way too much, really. On the back of, like, basically two singles, because most of the soundtrack we're going to talk about tonight is pretty inconsequential, except for, like, yeah. two or three songs. Except for the one best song, which everybody takes for granted. Um, but before we get into that, Joe, why don't we check in on the results of last week's Tommy Boy podcast and uh, the poll? Oh, yes. Uh, so on Twitter, every week when we release an episode, we will put out a poll asking you, the listeners, to decide what is the best song on that soundtrack. So last episode, we did Tommy Boy. All right. So Libby, you ran a sort of a two-part poll for this. There were so many good songs. There were. There were a lot. And uh, and one way, I guess one way you did it was the first the first group were songs strictly from the soundtrack that were mostly known for being on the soundtrack. Yes. And then the second group were songs, like big hits, that were included on the soundtrack, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the, in the first group, uh, with 50% of the vote, My Lucky Day won out. Okay, that's acceptable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the second group, uh, with 40% of the vote, uh, It's the End of the World as We Know It and I Feel Fine, took the I top. I think that was expected. I, Although, I Come On so. Eileen, how much did Come On Eileen do? Uh, 35. It was right behind. It was neck and neck. Okay. So they yeah. both did pretty well. And then you pit uh, My Lucky Day and End of the World as We Know It against each other. Uh, I think you, we both saw this coming. End of the World as We Know It won the poll by 67% of the vote. Yeah. I think I think we uh, we kind of knew that was, was coming. And that's all right. It's, it's a great scene in the film, and it's a fine song. It's not their best. Um, no. That would but be Driver 8, but... Agree to disagree, but okay. <laughs> So, and I don't think this will be the last time we see uh, REM. It might not even be the last time we see that song. So, uh, it it may it may topple. Yep, it, it might uh, come back around qu- quicker than you think. Yes, that that so, is that is not a a, a a foreshadowing, by the way. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. So again, uh, after you uh, listen to tonight's podcast, uh, make sure to go vote for your favorite song in the uh, Top Gun poll. Yes. So if you're listening within the, within the next two weeks, if you're listening a month and a, half, and a half from now, you're shit out of luck. And I'm sorry. Yeah, Sorry. Subscribe and, and get it sooner. I know this podcast ain't standing still, people. Yeah, we got places to be. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, let's uh, talk about uh, some Top Gun here. Oh, yeah, let's do it. I got a few more honorifics here for you. Uh, OK, so Top Gun was nominated for four Academy Awards in 1986. Do they have Academy Awards for dumbest film? They do, and they give those they give those films all the sound awards, Aww. which it gave to Top Gun. <laughs> oh, so Top Gun was nominated for film editing and sound mixing and sound editing and original song. Which honestly, I I kind of feel like that's all the stuff the movie does well anyway. Yeah. So that that's fair. But it actually won the award for original song for Berlin's "Take My Breath Away." No. And it beat out the following songs: uh, "Somewhere Out There" from uh, American Tale. I hate this movie so much. 
Glory of Love from Karate Kid Part 2, which I forgot was even a song. Okay, I can accept that. Mean Green Mother from Outer Space from Little Shop of Horrors. Oh my god, I hate this movie! I know, right? I'm so angry! And Life in a Looking Glass from a film called That's Life. Okay, sure. That's fine. Uh, Interesting side note. The next year at the Academy Awards, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now from the film Mannequin was nominated for an Academy Award. And the only reason I bring that up is because in 2006, uh, they re-released the Top Gun soundtrack with a bunch of extra songs, including Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now. I do not know why. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. Yeah, I can't figure... Wow. Um... I have to stop this podcast and now ponder that for many hours. Because, the, the okay, the 2006 Deluxe Edition comes with six additional songs. Here's the, tr- okay, I take it back. Five additional songs. Can't Fight This Feeling by REO Speedwagon. Broken Wings by Mr. Mister. The Final Countdown by Europe. Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now by Starship. And The Power of Love by Jennifer Rush. None of those songs are even mentioned or discussed in the film. I don't know what this soundtrack is. That's, that's an 80s compilation mix that you pick up at the drugstore yeah yeah that, that's like when you go to target and you see like dvds that have the giant like i love the 80s scratched onto them that's what that is yeah that's ridiculous it's so stupid uh, and also uh take my breath away isn't even that's uh i mean we'll, we'll get into yeah, we'll get there. how much i dislike that song but <laughs> it's not even the best song that was a single i can't even believe i'm gonna defend danger zone here but here we are. This movie has broken me. This is us. This is this is what we do now. Yes. <laughs> this podcast was designed to make you specifically, Libby, hate music. I think so. But it's funny. <laughs> uh, we were talking about this earlier. We've started noticing uh, soundtracks following us around. I was uh, waiting for a friend in a coffee shop and I heard uh, Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls from the City of Angels soundtrack. And this yeah. morning on my way to work, I heard Take My Breath Away on the radio. <laughs> So this is like, it's, it's infected us. So I hope you all appreciate what we are doing for you listeners. Mm-hmm. We do it because we love you. It's a public service. Yes. So. <sighs> all right. Well, Joe, I don't know about you, but I've got a need. A need, need for, for speed. speed. I definitely need some speed if I'm going to finish this episode. Oh, God. No, um, we've discussed all the uh, the different ways that we have been... Um, accidentally typing this in as we've been doing our research my favorite has been top gin which yielded some fascinating results so as a result i will be drinking a gin and tonic as we record this episode libby i think all the listeners and myself need to know what is the top gin um for me it is the gin from the fly creek cider mill we have a lot of great local distilleries around here so fly creek cider mill makes an excellent gin Mm. I am not a gin man, so I could not tell you. But yeah, I'm trust. not really either. But I I tried uh, I tried that, and I was like, okay, this is actually pretty good. And then while I was looking up notes, just half an hour before the show started, I was listening to you talk about this movie, and I just it uh, a Freudian slip typed in top gay, and Freudian whoop. slip or strangely apropos. Uh-huh. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. No, Top Gun follows the adventures of Maverick, played by Tom Cruise, who is a 
real hot shot pilot. He somehow manages to get sent to uh, the U.S. Navy's Fighter Weapons School, affectionately known as Top Gun, at Naval Station Miramar in San Diego. He is joined by his friend Goose, and while there, they meet uh, Iceman, who's played by Mad Mardigan, Val Kilmer. And Batman. Yes. So if we really want to upset everyone, we'll say the true Batman. Uh, the one true Batman. <laughs> oh, man. I know some people are going to be pissed at that. Um, but that's practically my brand. I'm going to own that one. <laughs> okay. So, um, and they fly a bunch of planes, and some stuff happens, and they play uh, the intro to Berlin's Take My Breath Away about 600 times. They play Kenny Loggins' Danger Zone about 900 times. And then they fight sort of an indeterminate enemy that we haven't decided who that is. Yeah. It, this this film really is sort of the story of one guy going through a crash course in, uh, pardon the Independence Day quote, a crash course in modern avionics. So I think more than that, I think we're really shortchanging what Top Gun truly is. Top Gun is a love story. It is a love story uh, between... Maverick and Iceman and it's really it's it's quite a, a beautiful love story and I think it's uh it's couched in a lot of sort of haze code but this is this is a gay love story I absolutely believe it I, I in rewatching it I don't really think there's another way to look at it and t- I think Top Gun gets made fun of a lot for the homoerotic subtext and we're going to talk about that when we get to the best song on the soundtrack but you have to keep in mind the AIDS crisis is ramping up mm-hmm. um, and this film really kind of sells that that love story I mean, there's a couple beards in it but it's an incredibly homoerotic film in the best way I do not mean that in the in the pejorative it's quite sexy no i I really feel like it's the best movie to compare this to is nightmare on elm street part two where the writer definitely wrote that movie to be sort of a parable about being gay in the 80s and not knowing how to come out to the people around you and then the the actual directors the director and the producers taking the film as read not realizing there was any subtext to it whatsoever and completely denying everything about it but when Mm. you watch it on the on its face you're like no this is definitely a gay parable like we're not making fun or making it up it's just right there on the screen yeah and i really think that um that this one i think it sort of starts with he's got this real uh romance with with goose and but a lot of like simmering sexual tension with Iceman and I mean you look at Val Kilmer how can you not Val Kilmer in the 80s could get it he could get it from anyone he that man was chiseled out of out of pure steel oh yeah he's as we're talking about like so the gay love story this is also very much a cold war story where we're not really fighting the soviet union we're fighting lots of little proxy wars to hide the fact that we're really fighting the soviet union so in that sense i also kind of feel like this is really a love story between maverick and goose as much as he's really kind of competing with Iceman, it's he's really in love with goose he's in love with goose he has sexual tension with Iceman, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i think part of that is uh, Goose dies uh, about halfway through the film, and so that that love for Iceman is sort of realized. He and he and Goose have they have a romance, but they don't have that. It's it's sort of an old marriage. They love each other, but they've 
lost that love and feeling, if you will. Oh, very nice. Yes, well. <laughs> also, because this film treats women terribly. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, there's, I mean, there's only two in the, in the film. And they're just tacked in there. The love story, the quote-unquote love story in this is really really bad it's a really like sort of classic example of uh I mean, this whole film just drips with toxic masculinity but it, there's a lot of negging he treats uh charlie like shit he's really kind of unpleasant to her because he's not interested in in her no i mean he he pretty much says right out that like he's using her as a conquest and nothing more Mm-hmm. And she's fine with it because, as it turns out, she's also using him for her to, to, for her own personal gain. And once you kind of see it on its face, like where the trajectory of their love story goes, it kind of make makes that a little uh, sour in the end when they yeah. when they get back together because like they don't really care about each other, you know. That's yeah. These two people, these, I, I really feel like these two people actually hate each other. After. Yeah, you know, there's there's the famous line um, at the end. You can be my wingman, bullshit. You can be mine. And the film should end there, mm-hmm. but because it's the '80s, uh, you have to sort of bring back this tacked-in love story, and it just you're sort of like, oh, the credits should have rolled ten minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, but um, he also. Um, he he's terrible on a date and we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, like like not not just like the date but like courting as well. He's he's the worst. Yeah, capital T capital W the worst. Yeah. yeah. So the the film opens. The film is scored by the way by Harold Faltermeyer who uh I guess became famous with uh Beverly Hills Cop. Like everyone knows Axel F the Beverly Hills mm-hmm. Cop theme. So He's he's coming in to do Top Gun, and I really feel like his entire directive was make the score sound like Danger Zone because every time that they're not playing Danger Zone, they're playing stuff that sounds kind of like Danger Zone. Yeah, it's um, it's not a particularly inspiring score aside from that one riff that yeah. they just play sort of endlessly. Um, but there is this real you know you get this intro screed about the fighter weapon school, uh, over just some like pure fucking propaganda. And, you know, the fighter planes coming in over sunset and this real soft rock intro, Mm. which cracks me up because there's a few minutes of like electric piano, like practically like Michael McDonald esque uh, soft rock. And then all of a sudden into danger zone. Yeah, this is the scene that gave birth to Synthwave. Like, oh, everything God. about it comes from this fucking scene. <laughs> like, like the 80s nostalgia can't come starts here. Oh, God. And aside from the love story involving volleyball and that stuff, this is really the best part of the movie. This is why people go to see Top Gun, is to see fighter jets taking off at sunset and listening to Kenny Loggins and music that sounds like Kenny Loggins. I guess, this is, but... Most people, I'm saying. Not you and okay. me. Okay. Okay. This is um, that's why the movie made three hundred million dollars. I guess. Um, I didn't actually see this movie until, uh, sometime I think last year. 
for those of you who follow uh, my record Saturday live tweet, mm-hmm. uh, Ian Smith joined me. He actually bought me the soundtrack on vinyl uh, as a gift. And nice. so we we did the soundtrack. Uh, and there's actually some really, really funny pictures. You can uh, check this out in the show notes. Uh, we recreated uh, the cover and the famous high five sequence. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, I have. I just had flight suits lying around. Of course. Of course you yeah, do. This is this is my life. So um and so this first few minutes the intro uh we see danger zone this is the first of at least three or four times that we're gonna hear danger zone oh yeah like buckle up because yeah. you're gonna we're we are literally going to the danger zone now yes um now i think and again i'm not the first person to suggest that top gun has you know homoerotic overtones i feel like the danger zone is not the planes or the war zone i feel like danger zone is gay love it de- yeah definitely it or even more generally speaking um unprotected sex yes and or the the male body is the danger zone right that you know what it is yeah so all those muscles uh, and abs you got to watch out the gun the gun oh, shows yeah. here the gun shows oh, here yeah. and it's gonna get They're you. All oily <laughs> <laughs> so uh i think listening to it in in that it's um it's it's like it's uh like judas priest hell bent for leather oh yeah that's a good raw male sexuality that's a good comparison so i guess we're we're like deep into talking about danger zone now yes we are um i have some fun facts about uh danger zone tell me you like to hear yes please this song was originally offered to brian adams who was like nope don't like to glorify war and you're like all right brian adams you're a good dude for a guy that wrote a song called i want to be your underwear (laughs) Uh, it was then offered to reo speedwagon they passed it was then offered to Corey hart he passed and they finally 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 gave it to kenny loggins i have it here that they also gave it to toto and they said no as well oh so well they're too smooth Mm. they write smooth music that rocks at that point, the idea of because you know, Kenny Loggins had recorded "I'm All Right" for uh, Caddyshack, this was not his first first time at the mic, and he was well known. Mm-hmm. So the idea of passing him over and finally being like, "Fine, I guess get Kenny Loggins," uh, is is strange to me. Get but, the groundhog uh, guy, bring him back in here. So I actually have uh, I have a lot of fun facts about um, right. Danger Zone. Now, do you know the story of how this song was written? I do not. I know that Giordio Moroder has something to do with it. Yes. Now, uh, according to uh, the documentary Yacht Rock, which you can view on YouTube, episode 12, Giorgio Moroder's planet was threatened by a black hole, and he needed a relevant pop star <laughs> to record a hit large enough to explode the black hole. When he went down to Earth, he found Kenny Loggins and Michael McDonald. He recruited Loggins to sing Danger Zone, to fight the black hole, but it wasn't enough because Hall and Oates, who were from the black hole, attacked him with first lyric forgetting lasers and then put up a force field. At that moment, Michael McDonald swooped in on the Millennium Falcon singing Sweet Freedom from the film Run and Scared, and it was a relevant enough hit to destroy the black hole. Georgia Marauder's planet was saved. Yay! Yeah, it's um check it out. It's it's all there. So, I, uh so little shout out to my my friends over at uh Yacht Rock. Nice. So, but um 
They also talk about playing with the boys in that. It's a great show. Mm. But, um, and actually, I did a poll. I don't know what, I think actually as we, we ramped up to doing this episode, I got thinking a lot about Kenny Loggins. And I put up a poll on Twitter just asking what was the best Kenny Loggins song because, mm-hmm. uh, and I believe we talked about this on Tommy Boy, when you get a Loggins soundtrack, you don't just get one Loggins. You get no. two. Yeah, you get you get multiple Logginses. Yeah, which I think is great. It's, you know, more bang for your buck. So More log I, for your buck. Yeah. <laughs> so I posted this to my Twitter at Libby Cudmore. And I ask what the best Kenny Loggins soundtrack was. And I posted Danger Zone, Playing with the Boys, which is also in Top Gun, Footloose, and I'm Free. Uh, Danger Zone topped out at 43%. Playing with the Boys got 11%. Ooh. I know. I was just like, you people, you're all wrong. Um, and then uh, I forget what, what Footloose... Footloose topped I'm Free, but... um. Interesting fact, among the people who weighed in, I had something like 238 votes on this poll. I have posted nude photos or nearly nude photos that have gotten less love than my post about Kenny fucking Loggins. That that poll went went over so much better than any one of our polls. I know. I'm kind of angry about that. And I start, <laughs> I'm starting to feel like it's my fault. No, no, no. But um, among the people who answered this poll, was Michael Chiklis of The Shield. What? You're kidding me. No. That's amazing. Vic fucking Mackey has a lot of thoughts about Kenny Loggins, and he said it was a write-in vote for I'm All Right from Caddyshack. So inspired by you, Michael Chiklis, if you're listening, I posted a second poll that was round two. I'm... I'm all right, and it was uh, another set of uh, of Kenny Loggins tunes with "I'm All Right" versus "Danger Zone" versus a couple others that I'm not even going to get into. Uh, and in the final poll, "I'm All Right" versus "Danger Zone," "I'm All Right" took fifty two percent to "Danger Zone's" forty eight percent, reigning as the superior Kenny Loggins song on a soundtrack. I hate everything about this garbage planet of ours, and I want off. I'm all right. It's a great song. I know, but Caddyshack is the fucking worst. Oh, I love Caddyshack. Oh God, no, no. <laughs> I'll take ten Top Guns over Caddyshack any day. Oh. Okay. Well, we're gonna have to talk. But so, uh, so those are all my fun facts about uh, Danger Zone, based in absolutely no reality except for the part about Brian Adams. And mm. Brian Adams recorded this the song for. Uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. So if Brian Adams turns down your song, oh boy. You know your song is garbage, yeah, basically. But, although it's kind of hard to hate on Danger Zone, because it is is really catchy. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's... Again, I, this is the, the thing that I go back to. Like, it's stuck around. Like, it's they still play it on the radio like crazy. So there must be something to it. But I um, actually have a kind of kind of a, a personal grudge against Danger Zone. Me too. And I think Let's I've hear told yours. You, I think I've told you this story before. So when I was in elementary school, we had this really ornery, terrible PE coach who did not like to plan things for our PE classes. He did not like to set up dodgeball games for us or or even let us go outside to play baseball. Any sport or game activity that required the use of tools that he had to get out of the closet. (laughs) So instead, 
he would make us run laps in the in the gymnasium and he would play Danger Zone on a goddamn loop for 20 minutes. This is the most 80s thing I've ever heard. This is like a, a like this this is an episode of the Goldbergs. And I, I swear to god. But the moment you heard Danger Zone stop, that was your cue to stop running. It was like musical chairs, but there were no chairs and the only way to win is to die. So you have like a Pavlovian response to danger zone. Like you hear it and you just start running. I have to start running or else I feel like I'm going to die. (laughs) The danger zone is real and it's here right now and I have to escape it. (laughs) So actually you're recording this while running laps around the track because we haven't turned off danger zone. Yes, absolutely. Like (laughs) I have remarkable control over my my, uh, respiratory faculties. You can't hear me sweating or panting, but rest assured listeners, I am dying right now <laughs> no and i have similarly traumatic uh experience at danger zone really where yeah and i don't it's i just remember like being probably at somebody's birthday party at a chuck e cheese and the animatronic rats playing it and oh, God. animatronic rats at a chuck e cheese are already traumatic and and i just remember thinking like what is this song and am I supposed to be listening to this? Because, you know, you think about the way you express danger to a child. Things like stranger danger, don't touch the stove, don't play with fire. So I'm like, danger zone is probably not a place where I, a young child, should be. And I just remember feeling like immensely uncomfortable on top of already being uncomfortable because I'm in a fucking Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, no kidding. With like the... The fucking pizza that's definitely been recycled from other pizzas. Yeah. yeah. It's, no, Chuck E. Cheese is the worst. That, but that makes me wonder if there's a, a like a kid's parody or, or version of this song out there called Stranger Danger Zone. There, If not, I'm sure there there's must some be. weird Christian band that's going to record it. God oh. damn it. We've created a monster. See, that's the sign that my jokes aren't good when Libby records to making fun of my jokes as as Christian humor. Well, no, I'm just saying we probably have put that out there into the world. Somebody's going to hear that podcast and be like, I'm going to make so much fucking money. That's, this is my curse, really. Yeah. Really. Sorry, uh, man. Brilliant ideas oh. that go straight down the toilet. Yeah. Wow. But um, Danger Zone, there's just something about it. It is. It really it does pump you up. And it does. Just, it does like pro- actually propel the film forward. Like every t- every time they use it in the film, they use it well. Like I'll give them that much. Yeah, it it actually. I mean, because they don't really have a whole lot else. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> to use, they've got that, and the like. You know, first thirty five seconds of "Take My Breath Away" just played on an endless loop. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, yeah. So this this song does appear multiple times throughout the film and actually so much it's the first song on the soundtrack yes watching the film and going through the soundtrack there were only two other cues that i could find i actually had to go look them all up this i think might be one of the soundtracks where you know a lot of these songs were probably inspired by the movie not necessarily from the movie or sort of filled in like there's ones that are playing at the, at the nightclub um yeah and sort of in the in the background but um which speaking of the nightclub i know that's the that's where we hear cheap tricks uh mighty wings yes it also plays over the uh the end credits um i actually thought that uh i know tina marie's uh lead me on is also played in the mm-hmm, nightclub mm-hmm. so and, and that could not be a more generically 80s song oh, it's just like the most and just, I, 
as far as cheap trick goes, like I know I default to this answer a lot, but it's definitely true for this this particular instance. Mighty Wings is definitely ripped off for Street Fighter Two, right? Like the oh, guitar yes. riff is definitely a Street Fighter Two song. Like they just stole it wholesale. I you, hadn't thought about that. You can, yes, I think it might be. I'm trying to think whose whose stage it would be. I guess it would be Guile's stage because his stage is a is a, a tar- his Top Gun is, is Top Gun. Yeah. Oh my God, we've and uncovered a real conspiracy here, folks. If Guile's theme goes with everything, Mighty Wings by Cheap Trick goes with everything too. Try it out yourselves. Yes. Try it in your life, won't you? Thank Try you. Try it in your living room today. Yes. Hey, folks. Uh, it's future Joe here, uh, cutting into the podcast to tell my past self that he's a dumbass. Because as soon as we finished this episode, I went and double-checked myself. And guess what? It turns out uh, it's not Guile's theme. It's Ken's theme. Uh, don't believe me? Here is uh, Mighty Wings. And here is Ken's theme. There. So next time I say that it's Guile's theme, you'll know that it's Ken's theme. Uh, Let's get back to it. That's all I got for Cheap Trick, really. Uh. Yeah, but... um... I want to talk about as, as sort of as we were going through the film. Um, the second time we hear Danger Zone is when Maverick is pulling up to the army base. He's literally he's on his motorcycle. He is literally on the highway to the theoretical danger zone. Yes, <laughs> and it's one of those things like, okay, we get it. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay. really the, this film is such a music video. It's just like one long Danger Zone music video. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, like that's like pure Jerry Bruckheimer, like right there. Like, that's how he makes his movies. Is like how to package it, how to package it as a music video. Yeah, and they do. It's this is a two hour music video. Mm-hmm. Now, um, as we sit down with, uh, you know, as they're going over what happens in Top Gun, we meet Iceman. Mm-hmm. And Iceman gives him a look <laughs> that I have given like a handful of guys. I know that look. I've I've seen that look. I've gotten that look. I've given that look. That is the look of lust, baby. <laughs> that the look, tension is palpable. That look says like like two things. The first, like, oh yeah, I'm all about that. The second Game recognized game. Like they see each other and they know, like, all right, I'm in, I'm gonna fight that guy. Yeah, I'm gonna fight that guy. Then I'm gonna kiss him. Other wow. other f words. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Mm. Oh man, I wish. <laughs> I wish I had that kind of sexual tension with someone. Maybe I do. So I don't know, and I just don't know it. But um, the homoerotic system kind of makes itself apparent like right away. So like Michael Ironside is here as like one of the flight instructors and he's explaining to the class what they're there for and what they're doing. He says Top Gun was designed to teach ACM air combat maneuvering or dogfighting. And as he's explaining this, one of the other recruits, it cuts to one of the other recruits and he leans over to the guy next to him and just goes, this gives me a hard on. Yeah. The other guys says, uh, what is it? Like, don't tempt me. Yeah, and like all the while they're just like looking don't at footage. Me. Yeah, they don't tease me. And all the while they're just looking at footage of plane crashes and shit. <laughs> I know it's um, this movie's weird. It's really weird. Um, but then just because it's the eighties, 
they they go to a a nightclub to pick up some ladies mm-hmm. and maverick says this is a target rich environment one well, we're like yeah sure it is which Just keep telling yourself that buddy that specific phrasing i feel like one of our friends used to describe us in this podcast <laughs> so he must have been watching top gun huh i wonder who that could be mm, i don't know we know who you are uh- <laughs> i do actually know who it is yeah i, I okay. don't um it was chuck Yes. Yeah, he specifically used the phrase "target rich environment." Chuck Winters, I love you. <laughs> love uh, you, man. No, but um, there's this is kind of the first sense we get this bar scene, which is is a real crucial uh, music cue. Is so gross. It is the gross. It is just it's toxic masculinity. It's ugly. It's unpleasant. Um, he tells uh Goose. Uh, or Goose says, I'd be happy to find a girl to talk dirty to me. We later find out that Goose is fucking married, and he's married to Meg Ryan, so you treat her with respect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um... E- but e- and even if you can, like, wave away that by saying, like, oh, he's just playing along, like, no, he's he's definitely, like... He's down a clown. He's in it to win it. Yeah, but, um, they're, as they're talking with friends, um, one of them says, well, whose butt did you have to kiss to get in here the list is long and distinguished so is my johnson i rest my case people and we're mm. we're about 15 minutes into the film at this point right and and they're not make, they're not bragging to the ladies they're bragging to each other yeah exactly <laughs> about how big their dicks are yep but so, uh, so this is where maverick meets first not meets sees charlie in the yes. bar charlie is a woman by the way i feel yes. like we should probably clarify that it's pretty odd to name a woman in a war film sitting there in the Cold War, Charlie, don't you think? Interesting. What mm. do we make of this? I don't mm. know. But um But so Maverick has a game plan for how to woo this woman. And yes, it may um, it in any was, other film it would seem endearing, you know? Yes, but the problem is that before that, uh Goose tells him that he has to have carnal knowledge of a lady on the premises, which is exactly how men talk. That is what they say to each other when talking about females. Yes, that is how men engage well, in sexual conduct with females. Need I remind you that Goose is played by Anthony Edwards from Revenge of the Nerds, so in all likelihood, he's probably never slept with his wife. Moving on, so how do men who are 100% straight and want to have carnal knowledges of uh, females... How do they woo her, Joe? By picking up microphones and and doing karaoke to her with uh, the Righteous Brothers. You've lost that love and feeling. You never close your eyes anymore when I kiss your lips. There's no tenderness like before in your fingertips. You're trying hard not to show it, baby. But baby, believe me, I know that you've lost that love and feeling. Oh, but it's not just karaoke. It's acapella, because there's no music, and I don't know where they got the microphones. Yeah, because it's not like anybody was actually like performing in the nightclub yeah. earlier. Yeah. But just in this nightclub scene, as a woman, if some dude came up and did this to me, I would 
first, I think, feel a little bit threatened. Like, all these dudes gathering around me yelling. Oh, you right. Lost that because love and because at, at first, it's just Goose and Maverick, but then the entire bar is doing it with them. I know, and, like, everybody's looking at you, and you're just trying to have a drink. And this is what guys think is romantic, and it's not. Gentlemen, if you are listening, don't do this to a woman. This is annoying. It's obnoxious. Just let us have our fucking drink. Come over. Say hey. If you got to bring a wingman, whatever. We've got a friend. But don't get the whole bar to sing You've Lost That Love and Feeling. That's not even a good song. And... First of all, yeah, don't do it, but but especially don't do it to a woman who's already got a guy there at the bar. Well, he comes in later. No, she's like sitting with, like he's like sitting in the booth and she goes over to the bar, right? Oh, I thought she says, uh, I think she says, oh, my friend just arrived. Quote unquote friend. Like, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and it's definitely a dude, but it's all, I'm so embarrassed for Charlie and they just all need to go to jail. Every single one of them. Just, I would, I would get out my mace at that point like it's just that uh, it brings back like memories of dudes trying to fucking say anything to me and it's just the worst i'm so glad i married so the dudes don't do this to me anymore now when you say say anything do you mean literally say any anything that comes into their heads or like physically hold a boom box over their head like the boom box or like asking me to dance in the middle of the restaurant or just Mm. like the same old like romantic comedy bullshit no one has ever sung karaoke to me thank god because i think i would die (laughs) so unless you're like super hot or it's goggins if you're listening you can sing whatever you want to me baby (laughs) so no it's just it's terrible and then he follows her into the ladies room that's yeah like there's a couple of lines too far but like that's like the real line too far you know, yeah, well, the, the first of many that will yeah, be crossed tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Because she's already been like, that was cute. But no, your singing is terrible. Don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And gone to meet her friend. And then he like stalks her and follows her. Mm-hmm. And again, this is like this is classic sort of to- toxic masculinity, not taking no for an answer. So. Um, but and she, then, oh, yeah. So oh. she shuts she shuts him down like pretty effectively. And then the next scene, the next day. When they're in their uh, next flight briefing of, of some sort, what do they discover? They discover that Charlie is their flight instructor. Wah, wah. Wah, wah. So, and I don't, I don't know if it's like the awkwardness of the 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 situation or what, but this scene goes on for fucking ever. Well, also because he has to mansplain her job to her. Yeah. This is, if, guys, if you were ever confused about what mansplaining is, please watch this scene in Top Gun, where he, she talks about the MiG and what it could do, and he says, he raises his hands like, actually, I've seen a blah, 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 blah. Like, you just embarrassed her in front of everybody. This is her fucking job, and I know you had your big danger zone moment where you're, like, flipping off the Korea, Russia, Cold War, generic, bad 80s villain, but... Don't fucking do this, dudes. This is like a classic. This should be taught in like how not to mansplain the scene in Top Gun. This Top Gun is really it's a cautionary tale for how not to treat women. But but if if this scene has any silver lining, it's like her entire motivation for the rest of the film is to to like get into his pants and sleep with him so that he'll give her that one little piece of information that he keeps bragging about so that she can then get a better job on the other side of the country, far away from him. And she fucking and she fucking does it. I know. It's like, game recognizes game. Yeah. 
So not enough attention is given to Charlie and her like insatiable career lust. No, and but that's every character in the film. But yeah, she gets kind of the short shrift on that end. Yeah, but um, you know, there's this. I wrote down. This is the note I wrote down. You know, oh, you've seen a Mig do a 4G uh, energy dive. I don't even know what that means. And I just wrote down, he was super inverted. You don't know her. She's from Canada. <laughs> so, uh, really, fucking Goose is backing you up. Do you really believe him? I don't think so. Mm. But, um, you know, and then we proceed to a bunch more flying scenes, which are extremely dull. And the Harold Faltermeyer score is stupid and ugly. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, they they all start to look the same. And you're just like, what am I even watching anymore? They're they're dicks it's yeah they're just symbolically dicks i know big old hard-ons see now i'm just imagining that like a version of top gun where it's just a bunch of dildos flying around and michael ironside is right inside one of them (laughs) (laughs) this is already amazing this is what the the sequel is gonna be the sequel is just gonna go all out okay um the title is cock gun there i did it yeah okay good we're all set um but so yeah, they, they, their next maneuver, they do it, and they do it badly because they break the rules, and that's bad because Maverick, Maverick keeps breaking the rules and keeps like doing things against like Tom Skerritt and Michael Ironside's like teaching because he knows he can do them and he can get away with them, and he keeps fucking getting away with it. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things. I'm sure if you were watching this as a teenage boy in the '80s and you're full of hormones. You're thinking like, yeah, I'm going to grow up to be Tom Cruise. I'm going to be a maverick. But watching this as an adult, uh, you're like, wait a second. Iceman is the hero of this film because he keeps telling him, you're dangerous. I don't like you because you're dangerous. You're reckless. You're going to get somebody killed. Iceman is the fucking hero. He is keeping everybody in line. Right. He's actually following the rules and doing everything the way you're fucking supposed to. Yeah. And when you're, you know, flying these giant dick planes everywhere like you need to have some respect for them and the people around you um he you know maverick abandons his wingman you never abandon your wingman that is good advice for flying and life so Mm -hmm. and just iceman's the hero of this film he really is so um, um but also... then, but after you know the main uh i guess their next mission the, uh, maverick and goose complete the mission but they disobey the rules and they're kind of bummed out about it but not for too long because then the very next scene is the best scene of the film well actually i want to go back momentarily before we get to the best scene okay and tease it there is the best line and uh i forget who says it but he says i want somebody's butt and then he spills his coffee again because they've they've done a flyby. Right. Spilled coffee all over himself, and which they're not supposed to do flybys. And so he wants their butts in his office. He says, "I want some butt, or I want somebody's butt." I want some butt. And then he leaves, uh, spills coffee on himself again, and yells, "I want some butts!" And I feel like, again, I rest my case, <laughs> Be- especially because of what we're going to get into next this is the underrated best song of the film take it away joe uh yeah so this is the the famous and or infamous depending on how you look at it volleyball scene oh yeah where maverick and goose face off against iceman and iceman's wingman (laughs) 
in a spirited volleyball match set to Kenny Loggins' Playing With The Boys. The Boys does not get enough love. Playing with the Boys is the best song on here. It is so good. It is just like a rockin' theme song, and mm. it's it's also really again super gay, not in the pejorative sense. No, but it is. I want to read you some of the lyrics from Playing with the Boys, and I'm I'm not the only person to think this. As I said, um, there's a great article on um, Consequence of Sound. This is this is how Consequence of Sound describes the volleyball scene. Top Gun's most famous moment is the volleyball game in which Maverick, Iceman, and Goose play the sport shirtless. The match is a leather harness away from being a Tom of Finland spread. The scene opens with a shot of Iceman's tanned, glistening back as he coolly spins a volleyball on his finger. Uh, Maverick and Goose share three different high five, low fives, which are perilously close to being outright butt slapping. The cherry on this soft core Sunday is that sequence is set to Kenny Loggins playing with the boys. Lyrics include bodies working overtime, man against man. <laughs> There's also lyrics including uh, I'm moving in slow motion. It feels so good. Uh, it's. I mean, they they try to be like it's this. It's just a game that boys play, girls play too. Like, yeah, sure yeah, they do. Sure, well, with they, other girls, they do in the music video. Yeah, the Look, music. Video. I I went and I watched the, these music videos. So, like the three music videos for this movie, obviously you've got Danger Zone, which bam, is bam, bam. which is just wall to wall fighter jet footage with Kenny Loggins just hanging out in the bedroom. Like, okay. <laughs> Like, he didn't want to do any acting or anything. He's just lying on a bed singing the song. That's amazing. And then you've got uh, the next song on the soundtrack, which we'll talk about in just a minute. But then you've then there's Playing With The Boys, which I was shocked that this got a video. And, and it's, it... it's literally just a bunch of, bunch of sweaty dudes playing volleyball with a bunch of sweaty women. And Kenny Loggins, looking like he just, like, woke up on the street and wandered into the gymnasium is playing the song singing the song like in the middle of the game and like it really enthusiastically like he jumps in with his guitar it's like play oh with he's the- having a fucking blast oh it's great <laughs> i actually I love, love the video because it's it's so like upbeat and goofy that like the other two are so serious that makes mm-hmm. this one a little bit better it's so good it's just so like exciting this is the kind of thing i want to work out too like it makes me want to go to the gym and like mm-hmm. run and- yeah yeah, this is this is just like one step away from like let's get physical. Oh yeah, it's it's let's get physical, but for boys. This the version that plays in the film is a slightly slower version. And actually, if you have the record, uh, which you should, um, this doesn't appear until the, it's the second song on the B side. They they make you wait for it, teasing you with it. Yeah, teasing you. Their sexy, glistening, oiled up Val Kilmer tease. Well, two logins on one side is just too much. You have to it's, parcel it out. Yeah, you got to spread out the log. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're all like sprayed in baby oil and they're playing volleyball in jeans. And there's no explanation for it. It's just like it cuts from him saying, I want more butts. There's some stuff about um, uh, Maverick's dad dying in a plane crash. Mm-hmm. And then he like. Uh, flirts with Charlie and in a super gross way doesn't take no for an answer and then just boom playing with the boys 
Well, at a certain point, she gives him, she finally like slips him a note and says, you know, dinner, 530, my place. And then he's playing, he's playing with the boys. And at a certain point, he has to cut the game short because he's got a date with a, 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 a lady. Ew, gross. Yeah, an actual girl lady with her lady parts. Oh, uh, just one more game with the boys. Come on. No, I've got a date with a lady tonight. Yeah, i got to put my shirt on. So right. everyone else is just, and they managed not to get, if you think about what it would be like to be sprayed with baby oil and then play volleyball, you're going to look like a chicken cutlet. You're going to look like yeah, shake and bake. All that sand. Yeah. It's just not going to be a good time <laughs> for you and that skin. It's just going to, it's a, oh, <laughs> I hesitate to think about that. Anyway. So he's going to Charlie's house for a hot for their hot dinner date, and he first he misses it. He's late because he's playing volleyball with the boys, but she is fine with it. They have a di- have a dinner date, and what song is playing on the soundtrack during actually, the scene? Well, it starts with "Take My Breath Away," if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so this uh, is the the first instance of "Take My Breath Away," the first of many. <laughs> But then it transitions into something else. As we discover, this is not the the hot sex scene, uh, quote unquote, that we're expecting. No, it's Otis Redding sitting on the dock of the bay. Watching the ships roll in. And then I watch them roll away again. Yeah, I'm sitting on the dock of the bay. (laughs) Which is a boner killer. It's a great song. It's a great yeah, song, but, but it is a boner not, killer. Not bedroom music. No. Not bedroom music. This is music that you, you listen to when you're thinking about your dad, which, oddly enough, is what's going on in the scene. Well, and he's thinking about his mom. Um, he is now oh, yeah. drunk off what appears to be half a glass of Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's just sitting there, like, lamenting about how his mom listened. <laughs> as far as I can tell, he, t- he says, he talks about how his mom used to listen to Sitting on the Dock of the Bay until she died. Like, she listens to it so many times that she dies. It killed her. She died from it. Which is a real, again, like, this is a sad story to tell. This is their date. Yeah, this is like their real first date. Otis Redding. (laughs) She would play it. She'd be like, come listen. And I was like, no. And then she died. Otis Redding killed my mom. Isn't that sexy? (laughs) And then he, like, leaves. He's like, I have to go take a shower. Because he she he tried to shower at her place. Yeah. And she's like, no. And you're not getting naked in my house, no. Yeah, ew. Gross. Um You got all that boy sweat on you. Get out of here. Yeah, so he has to go home to um to drive on his motorcycle while drunk off half a glass of Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. That's that's fucking safe. Yeah, exactly. We've already we've proven that Maverick is really good at following the rules yeah. and driving safely. But as as he leaves uh, take my breath away comes back on one more time. <laughs> Not sitting on the dock of the bay. Nope. We've we've yeah. had that. We've had Reading time, and now it's Berlin time again. Yes, that did appear on later versions of the soundtrack. It is not on the original. Right. So um, it appeared with Mighty Wings or uh, <laughs> Broken Wings by Mister Mister. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck. Mm-hmm. Um. So then, this is when Goose's family shows up, right? Yes. Okay. Because I have a note that says Meg Ryan. Yeah, I just wrote Goose's family. Uh, so yeah, Mrs. Goose and Little Goose, Gosling, I guess, uh, <laughs> arrive to hang out with Goose for reasons. I don't know. For lady reasons. For lady. Uh, yeah, okay. To prove they- that he does have a girlfriend and she doesn't go to your school. <laughs> so they do conjugal visits at the Naval Academy. 
I guess. So, but Meg Ryan but, is Meg Ryan is great in this like her short little scene. Like she's so like happy and and like vibrant, and she and Goose love each other so much. Like you, you as soon as you see her, you know, oh shit, something bad's gonna happen. Yeah, exactly. She's like a harbinger of death. But um, Tom Cruise, or Maverick rather, is so inspired on that I think he does another dangerous maneuver, Mm -hmm. and then Charlie reams him in front of the whole class, rightfully so. And he just can't take a lady criticism. He can't take it. And all the while, take my breath away is playing again. Yes, and then. (laughs) She tries to confront him on his motorcycle, but he can't listen. He's not going to let a lady with lady things tell him, a man, what to do. So he drives away. She drives through a stop sign for. There's a handful of men I would drive through a stop sign for. None of them are Tom Cruise. Not one. Her car is a lot cooler than his motorcycle. Like, if he crashes motorcycle, who gives a shit? But if she puts a dent in that car, I will be so pissed. Yeah, and it's um, actually, uh, I was watching Footloose the other night. When they ride to the big dance at the end, spoiler alert for Footloose, um, they're all riding, like, mini bikes, Like, just these, like, little, like, motorcycles. That's about what he's driving. <laughs> yeah, like the dirt bike kind of thing. Yeah, he's basically riding a dirt bike really fast through the streets of San Diego. But, um... He, she tells him that she's fallen for him, and finally, finally, the, uh, just the cock tease of Take My Breath Away, like, we finally get that song. Take My Breath Away is, I guess, along with um, Danger Zone, is like the song people associate with Top Gun. It's right. really not. I associate it with like really bad dances. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how I grew up hearing it. Yeah. And it's it's an okay song, I guess. I, again, I'm more a fan of sort of the instrumentation than either the lyrics or the, the vocal performance. Like, it's okay. Yeah, it's just not. It's really lukewarm. And this it's- song turned me off to Berlin for a long time. But uh, the uh, there's a song called No More Words, um, which is Take My Breath Away for English majors, I guess. Um, sure. That is the B-side to Madonna's Crazy For You uh, from the Vision Quest soundtrack. Another great 80s movie um, with a better 80s hunk, Matthew Modine, who definitely takes my breath away. It was not on the soundtrack. It was in the film, it, but it's not on the, the vinyl. So okay. that's the better Berlin song. If you are looking for a Berlin song that doesn't just smell like act like Axe body spray and loves baby soft <laughs> mingled together, um, look for no more words from um, Vision Quest. Okay. Yeah. So uh, my other note for "Take My Breath Away" is, I guess, uh, once again, the music video I think might be more interesting than the song. Because the video, it's the band uh, hanging out in an aircraft graveyard of some kind. Like, the singer is standing perched on an aircraft. Like, they've cut the, the entire front end off the plane, and she's just standing there singing the song. Yeah. And they're just hanging out in, in an airplane, air, aircraft graveyard, and she's wandering around these sort of wrecked, wrecked parts and whatnot. And at the end of the film, all of these sort of, like, ghostly apparitions of pilots start 
like climbing on top of the like a giant airplane and like posing there like the the, the goliaths of, of aircraft past i guess i don't know it's the field of dreams of it's, aircraft it's the field of dreams of aircraft that's perfect oh my god and this... i like it's, it's one of those 80s videos where I'm, i look at it and i go i don't know what this means but it has to mean something <laughs> Yeah, the 80s were magical. Mm-hmm. So we've held off on them for far too long. This is now an 80s soundtrack podcast. Oh, crap. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to bat for Maverick for in just one, one thing. I think it's really cute that he leaves her a paper airplane at the end of Take My Breath Away slash sex. <laughs> I think that's cute. It does kind of tell you that he, I, he's, he's still a boy, in these regards like he and that feels like a very sort of like childlike thing to do yeah but it's also i'm always fascinated in uh in movies after sex when like the lady wakes up and the guy's gone because if like i could hear my husband having dreams i'm such a light sleeper that like the idea that a dude could like get up get dressed and leave is like how does that happen because i would like i would hear him and i'd be awake and then i'd be like what are you doing Maverick is a ninja. Yeah, I guess. Douche ninja. I mean, he made an origami airplane. I don't know. (laughs) These are his skills. (laughs) Flying and making origami airplanes. Not singing The Righteous Brothers. No, clearly not. Okay. Uh, But, yeah. Also, like, she's definitely, like, a lot older than he is, right? (laughs) Right? Well, the thing is, I don't know, because Tom Cruise does not age. Well, no, but, I mean, mean, uh, Maverick is, like, 23 in the film. And Charlie, How do you know that I read it on Wikipedia last night. Okay, I did research, Libby. <laughs> I did all the wrong research, apparently. Uh, but no, like he's he's twenty three, like, like fresh out of flight school. She is like a top level, like she has like top security clearance with the Navy. She's definitely like a lot older than twenty three. Not saying she doesn't look great for you know Kelly McGillis in nineteen eighty six, but like. What's she doing shacking up with 23-year-old pilot guy? She's getting it is what she's doing. She is getting it. Get it, girl. I guess. I mean, I guess we already answered that question. She is, like, pumping him from information. And then, oh, and then, I like, think he's doing the pumping. Well, yeah. But, I mean, she's definitely... <laughs> I'm going to stop saying suggestive things. I'm yeah, done. Well, why stop? The whole film has been nothing but talking about wanting people's butts. And everyone's walking around in underpants and they're saying things like, on our tail, coming hard. <laughs> Why well, stop with the suggestive talk? All right. Well, she's the one that comes out on top in this relationship. How's that? Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, but the next scene in the film is probably my favorite scene. I mean, the volleyball scene is great. But then the next scene, uh, the next day, Maverick and Goose and Goose's family are hanging out at the bar. And Maverick and Goose and the Goose's kid are all playing Great Balls of Fire on the piano. Mm-hmm. And it's just this, like, last, I guess the last moment of, like, innocence before Goose gets fucking murdered. Yeah, and it's it's funny because the the big song cues, uh, sitting on the dock of the bay, you've lost that loving feeling, and Great Balls of Fire, none of them are on the soundtrack. And instead we get... All this filler things like Lead Me On, Destination Unknown by Marietta, um, Through the Fire, which is just one of those things like that sounds like the song that would be the promotional video for like not even the the commercial, but like a promotional video that would have been sent to a video store like Stop Top Stock Top Gun now on video cassette. Um, 
it just doesn't it's trying so hard to be on the Top Gun soundtrack. There's something interesting about that. Like you you kind of briefly touched on it and I want to tease it out for just a minute. Like those three songs like uh Great Balls of Fire, uh You've Lost That Love and Feeling, Sitting on the Dock of the Bay, those are all even even from like the 80s 80s perspective those are all oldies right yeah like songs from goose and maverick's parents generation and maverick's whole story kind of in the background is that he's like chasing after the memory of his dad and what happened to his dad when he was killed in action as a fighter pilot which i don't think we ever quite get a clear it's like oh your dad died and maybe it was bad or something i don't know tom scarrett kind of just goes like yeah he he, your dad died but he did what he died doing what he loved and was a hero and saved me (laughs) uh my favorite archer quote he died doing what he loved getting shot (laughs) <laughs> um but like for as much of talk as for as much of top gun is about like glorifying like american military strength with like all the great fighter planes that we have and the world ending you know weaponry that we have in the here and now or at least like when the cold war is going on it's also like trying to like reach back to like the era of maverick's parents when like american exceptionalism was like a thing and mattered in the world and basically what i'm saying is that top gun is all about make america great again motherfuckers and i want to kill myself oh god oh man yeah this (sighs) this movie created a whole generation of awful it did and like you 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 can't say it's not a part of the film because like there it is like yeah we just laid it out for you yeah so. But I like I, I still like the scene because like Maverick and Goose and Goose's kid and Goose's wife are all like so happy and innocent like not a care in the fucking world. I know it's a, it is it is it's a nice scene. Yeah, and, uh, and it, it shows you that Maverick actually like has a connection with Goose's family because it's going to matter here in a minute when, when yeah well because yeah. he's in love with Goose. Right, right. Go- like, and Maverick's in love with with or no Goose is in love with Maverick and Goose's wife kind of knows it. Yeah, and and appreciates it. I think she understands that, you know, family's one thing because Goose and Maverick can't have a family. It's the 80s. Their love must be kept secret. And I think she she understands her place as as a wife, but not as a love. And I think he cares about her deeply. Uh, I think he respects her as a mother and as his wife, but you know, you you can't you can't hide from love. Right. And that's, you know, I think their relationship is very sweet. And you so also I think can't they... hide from fate. Yes. Alas. And we hear, I believe, uh, Danger Zone opens this scene. It's our third reference. It's third or fourth oh, instance of right. Danger Zone. Hang on. So right before they play Danger Zone, I think it's, it's, I think it's Goose's wife who says to Goose, Take me to bed or lose me forever. Show me the way home, buddy. Uh, well, I like to think they have one, one last night mm. together. But yeah, then Danger Zone plays, and uh, this is the final exercise. Three weeks to graduation. Every point counts. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they're they're doing the, the the final flight exercise where they're trying to shoot down uh, Michael Ironside. I think it is who's is like in the the test plane. Also, did we mention that Mr. Strickland is in this film? Yeah, James Tolkien is back, and like once again, he has like one good scene, and he's out. Yeah, that's kind because, of what he does. Yeah. Back in the end, but he's iconic. Uh, he's still yelling at kids for being slackers. Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. Like that's one of those like amazing '80s lines that really doesn't mean anything, but we love it. Well, know? I think we all know what it means. Oh, it. it mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good lord. I don't love this film as an action film. I do love it as as a gay love story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the action really does isn't isn't great. Yeah, it's it's, it's stock footage and 
ridiculous. Okay, so uh, but we're, we're distracting. We're we're trying to avoid the inevitable. We're yes. dancing around it. Uh, so basically, what happens is they're trying to get a shot, quote unquote, shot off on the the test plane. They are on the highway to the danger zone. Yes. And uh, Iceman has a shot. He's trying to get the test plane lined up, and he can't take it. And Maverick is, like, right behind him. He's trying to, like, angle for the shot. And Maverick's trying so hard to get the shot that his plane goes into a tailspin. Oh, no. And they both eject. Maverick and uh, Goose eject. But Goose's head slaps against the top of the the cockpit, uh, the canopy. And they both crash into the sea, and Goose is killed, apparently killed on impact. Yes, uh, I think the cause of death is implied to be that he broke his neck when yeah. he hit the, um, the... And it's... Here's one of the things that 80s movies do better than any other... Like, when you think of, like, like 80s movies as a genre, they do these amazing shifts in tone where they go from, you know, like, really action-packed serious to like suddenly romantic and then really dark this is a really dark scene and it's it's really it's the one of the only times you feel like almost real emotion um but roadhouse i think really does this the best because the shifts in tone in roadhouse are jarring and wonderful and you can't manufacture that but they were trying to get so much into top gun they were trying to get action and romance and music videos and homoeroticism and sadness and just trying to cram as much into that film as they possibly could and this is this is like the moment where everything is light and fun and then it just gets real dark real fast yeah and and to generate tension what can we possibly do let's fucking kill anthony edwards yeah and it's uh, actually, it's super melodramatic, but it's also really sad because he's holding him in the water. You see the dye spreading out, and the the guy that comes in to rescue him says, "You have to let him go now." Yeah, it's so sad. And you're just like, "Oh Jesus!" Oh. As much as we make fun of this film, like certain scenes really do work. Like yeah. they do actually like put in the effort to make these kind of emotional, and they resonate, and you you get a good sense of like. God, these guys actually do care for each other. And yeah, not... they really he's he's just lost his his true love. Yeah. It's sad. Um, especially and then it shifts really quickly back to he's standing. There's a lot of scenes of him in his underpants. Yeah. And like I I use the term underpants as opposed to underwear because these are underpants. I mean they yeah. are tidy whiteies. These they're are not like boxer briefs. Classic tidy whiteies. Good yeah, lord. These are underpants. And He's just standing there in his underpants being sad. And the guy's like, you have to let him go. And I think his friend has been dead for, by my estimate, about 15 minutes. Yeah. And and then like he, he realizes like he has to go into the room and tell Mrs. Goose that Goose is dead. Yeah. And it's, he's had, yeah, 15, 20 minutes to process his best friend getting killed in an exercise that he was part of. And, and, and likely the, the cause of. Or at that point, he believes, and he's, it's just like, show some fucking empathy, Viper. Just like, dude, let him mourn. But I think. And, and, we... and to Iceman's credit, he does. Like, Iceman actually, like, cares about Maverick, believe it or not. Yeah. And, and tells them how, how, you know, much they all loved Goose and how terrible it is. And yeah. Like, it's like the first really good scene in the film where, like, you do kind of want Iceman to win in the end, yeah. Because like we follow Maverick enough, but then Iceman swoops in and is like, "You know what? You know what, fam? I got you. I'm here for you." Yeah, Iceman's a good dude. Like he knows, um, 
that that there are times you really do just need to step up for your bro. And this, and- I think, when we talk about toxic masculinity, one of the things is that boys aren't allowed to show their emotions. And I think this film personifies that in the, the sense that, again, he's standing there, he's stripped naked, probably out of his wet flight suit. Mm-hmm. And the guy says, like, buck up. Don't, you can't let this... You you can't feel anything about this. Dude, his friend just died. Let him let him grieve. And Iceman understands that. And also understands that, you know, letting him know that that they have his back and that they cared about, you know, they're a squad and they cared about um uh Goose. I think R- is Right, like, like there's a like he he knows and he acknowledges that there's like there's a time and a place for macho bullshit, and that time is not right now. Yeah, that and time so he, there's he no- puts that away. I'm really kind of surprised there's not like a sad version of Danger Zone that's playing, like sadly in the background. (laughs) And you know Kenny wrote that. He, you know, he recorded that somewhere. That exists in the world. I know it does. (laughs) Get it out of the vault, Kenny. But um, if it doesn't exist, we have to make it exist. Yes, please. We'll get it in like a high. We'll get a a lady to sing it, Mm -hmm. like one of those generic ladies they get to sing for uh, movie trailers. Oh, so we're we're gonna get like Lord to sing it or something? No. Lord's two name brand. We got to get like a like fifth rate. So, but Don. Yeah. But, and it, they get, they repeat like we got to get him up and flying. Like, dude, he is not in a position to fly. And they even go so far as to like show the scene where like the military uh, like inquiry is, is sort of giving their final verdict on it and telling Maverick like he, you're cleared of any wrongdoing. It was a technical failure of the plane, blah, blah, blah. But like, I kind of have a hard time buying that because if Magna- if Maverick weren't trying so hard to beat Iceman, like that wouldn't have happened. Or if yeah. even maybe it would have happened, but they would have it have been in a better position to do something about it, and Goose might have lived, and just too many variables. But like, it's just another notch in the my kind of belief that Maverick gets away with fucking everything. Well, he's a white man. Well, yeah. Um. Yeah, and I think um. The, the 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 film wants you to have this big emotive moment and they want you to to feel and they want you to see this as a step on uh Iceman's journey or not Iceman, sorry. They want you to see this as a step on Maverick's journey. And this is problematic when we see it happen with women in films where they will kill off a female character to propel the male character to make that uh that shift in his dramatic arc. Right, yeah. But that they do it, they don't kill off Charlie. Uh, they don't kill off Meg Ryan. They kill off the man. So again, yeah, it's... they kill off the romantic lead. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, they well... do another exercise, and Maverick pulls out, and then yells at the one black man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his, Which... his new his new replacement co pilot, and he yes. just completely dresses him down on li- not literally, but you know what I mean on the, on the tarmac, like in yes. front of everybody. And his name is uh, the actor's name is Clarence Gilliard. He plays a character named Sundown, which I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. That's fucking racist. For those of you, uh, yeah, a Sundown town uh, in the South in Jim Crow was a town that with all uh, all black people had to be out of the town by sundown or the KKK would go after mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Um and you see that touched sort of on a little bit on um in uh Black Panther, but that's why we had or not Black Panther, sorry, Black Klansmen. Um 
but that's why they had the the uh the green book the negro motorist guide was so that you knew what where there were sundown towns so you wouldn't get caught in one so the fact that the only black character in the film is named sundown that's fucking racist as shit you're right i that had not put that together but yeah you're absolutely right yeah i've been thinking about this a lot actually if a friend of mine is uh doing a documentary uh on the the green book and it's not some fucking driving miss daisy you know telling black stories through a white lens bullshit right like i haven't seen green book so i can't say this for certain but like i I get the impression that green book is not actually about the green book yeah no it's not and i didn't see it well i also didn't see it because i don't see racist pieces right and i I didn't see it on purpose so yeah yeah. so um but to kind of get us back on track just a little bit like i'm looking at the cast list here now that now that you mentioned sundown and right above him uh, Tim Robbins is in this film for some reason. Hey, what's up, Tim Robbins? And he plays a, a pilot named Merlin, which is just adorable. Aww. <laughs> and That's I wish the cutest he, thing I've ever heard. And I wish he had been in this to like impart some wisdom onto Maverick, but he's not. He's just a background character yeah. named Merlin. <laughs> <laughs> now, one of the things, um, as as we head on towards the end, um, one of the things I've noticed is when they're unhappy, when the characters are unhappy, they're shirtless, they're in their underwear. They're later, it's the only locker room scene um, when Maverick quits, probably because he wasn't given proper grief support. Um, he's wearing clothes, so clothes equal sad. Clothes equals sad. Hmm. Yeah, just when you think about how films are costumed. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Something. So. Oh. Yeah. The, uh, on that note, the only other thing I can say about the costuming and the, and the makeup or whatever is that Maverick is not just a Maverick in that he's the lead of the film and he won't listen to the man's rules. He's the only brunette in the entire academy. Everybody else is like bleached blonde, and Whoa. it bothers me. Huh. I didn't think about that. Like but Iceman yeah, is like... obviously named Iceman because he's got those frosted tips and he looks yeah. amazing. He is amazing. But, those lips. Uh, he All had the best guys. lips of any Batman. Like he definitely looked good in that cowl. Mm-hmm. Like oh. that was he had a literal square jaw. It's kind of oh, impressive. Yeah. yeah, he's <laughs> he's amazing. He's a Lego <laughs> man. Obviously, because he was interchangeable. <laughs> but I'm that gets a rim shot. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the, the the climax of this film is the most ridiculous <laughs> you thing said ever. Climax. I did it on purpose because this is this this is Top Gun here. <laughs> Top Gun means penis. The, Top Gun means the best penis. <laughs> so. so Iceman wins Top Gun. He's the Yay. best penis. Well, yes, he is. <laughs> We've established this. Uh, but then they they receive an assignment. We have the crisis situation. Tom oh, Scott no. Says. And uh, the, this thing is the film could have ended at graduation. Like He could have come back in on his cheap motorcycle and like gotten graduation. We've been like, yay, Top Gun. But then they remember that it's the Cold War. Right. We have, we have to end this film with an explosion or else what the fuck are we doing here? We're having a love story. I know. Well. You and tell, I know that, but Jerry you Bruckheimer and, didn't. Yeah. Tell that to the dudes in 1986. Oh. Tell that to my dad when he went to go see this. <laughs> on my birthday, probably. Um <laughs> So, yeah, uh, we have a crisis situation in the Indian Ocean. There's a rescue op, and they have to rescue uh, some vessel that has drifted too close to, I'm, I'm assuming it's Soviet airspace, because we have MiGs coming in to uh, attack. Oh, no. And they are told to engage if necessary, and engage they do. Uh, but lots of planes fly around. Uh, they're doing very badly. And then Maverick gets up there and... Just 
Luke Sky or Han Solo's the shit out of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in 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 Hot Shots terminology, he he topper Harley's the fuck out of everybody, uh, and blows up lots of things. The explosions are cool and great, and I'm kind of surprised they don't play Danger Zone during the scene. Yeah, this seems like a real waste of Danger Zone. We this don't hear is... Danger Danger Zone was last used when we killed Goose, and then we don't hear it again. Yeah, this is where you would play it. Yeah, not the ten times we've already heard it. Yeah, it's a weird choice. It's like, well, we could play it during the awesome scene where they like beat the bad guys, or we could play it when like one of the characters, the one with the bad mustache, dies. Yeah, for real. I I guess you know, thank God, thank the Lord for small favors. They didn't play Great Balls of Fire in 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 Goose's memory. <laughs> Maybe that's a little too on the nose. I don't know. I want to okay. I want. I need to go recut the end of Top Gun to have Great Balls of Fire playing. <laughs> Please do. Oh, I love this idea. I'm gonna do this. Okay. No, I want to hear playing with the boys. I want to hear playing with the boys. <laughs> okay, We're just I'll gonna do, recut I'll, the end of Top Gun with every song off the Top Gun soundtrack. I'll, I'll do. I'll do them both, and we'll see which one sounds better. Okay, we'll put a poll up. <laughs> both videos. All right. So yeah. Um, Maverick saves the day, they all land the planes, and before the credits roll, uh, Iceman gives us that great final line. What is it, Libby? He says, you can be my wingman anytime, which honestly sounds like a wedding speech. It does, yeah. And then to which Tom Cruise, or Maverick, I keep calling him Tom Cruise, um, it's Tom. just fucking ruins it and says, bullshit, you can be mine. Like, no, dude, just leave the tender moment alone. Right. You didn't learn a damn thing did you tom Cruise? <laughs> did you maverick you didn't learn a single thing about humility or respect or love between pilots no you're just a piece of shit to the very end yep all right so maverick and iceman have they've made up and they're i'm assuming they're wingmen they're partners now if you know what i mean mm-hmm. you know what good luck to them i where let me know where your registry is guys i'll send a nice gift i know i, I wish them nothing but the best yeah muzzle tov. But then, like, X number of months or years later, Maverick goes to be an instructor at Top Gun Flight School. And he's hanging out at the bar. And then you, we, we see a hand put a quarter in the jukebox. Button press. Button press. And we hear, you've lost that love and feeling start to play. And Maverick knows that means something. And he looks up. It means Goose is back there. from the dead! Zombie Goose is here to destroy us all. And Zombie Goose, for some reason, has taken the form of the destructor known as Charlie. <laughs> yep so, and maverick and charlie have a secret relationship that he cannot tell iceman anything about nope so because she's using him she's gonna get his information and then i assume sell it to the russians Ooh, i like that plot twist yeah maybe we've that, actually maybe written that's a much what top gun 2 is gonna be about yes please mm. so um yeah, and then the credits roll, and it's uh, Mighty Wings by Cheap Trick, which yes. is like the, uh, <laughs> it is the the Dollar General uh, toy knockoff of Danger Zone. <laughs> it really is. It's the ro- it's the Robert Cop. Of, uh... <laughs> so so what you're saying is that like the 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 guile music from Street Fighter Two is like a, a it's like a game of telephone. It started out as Danger Zone, became Mighty Wings, and then ended up as the Street Fighter music. Pretty much. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm down. I'm down yeah. with that. So um it's uh yeah, it's it's not great. 
And and again, like know. you had a chance to use danger zone, so why not? I know what happened. Uh, I don't know. You're just like, well, they got lazy. Yeah, they just got um, lazy. But yeah, we like we really didn't talk much about the the rest of the soundtrack because why would we? But like you know, Miami Sound Machine, Lover Boy, uh, Marietta. Eh. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Uh, Hot Summer Nights, which is Miami Sound Machine, is the only like real standout because all of this is filler. And again. You had these great songs, uh, you know, sitting on the dock of the bay, and and you've lost that love and feeling. So why fill it with generic '80s filler? I mean, there's there's no reason that Tina Marie needs to be on the soundtrack. It's so generic. Um, Hot Summer Nights is a great song, but it should have been in something sexier, like Nine and a Half Weeks. Mm, yeah, like it it would have done really really well in nine in Nine and a Half Weeks, which is a great film, by the way. It had to be like a, a marketing decision, like what what's gonna sell? Because I mean, they know that they're not gonna sell the Top Gun soundtrack off a of Miami Sound Machine. Yeah, but there's definitely like we've got three more slots to fill with this soundtrack. What are we gonna put on it? Yeah, what do we heaven, the uh, the Lover Boy song "Heaven in Your Eyes." I would like to know how many babies were conceived in the back of a Camaro to that song. That Ooh, is like yeah. white trash Camaro baby making music. <laughs> this soundtrack. I feel like is really overrated and it's sold on three songs with nothing to back it up. Yeah. And in this day and age, like, I don't know that you would go out and just buy the Top Gun soundtrack. Cause like you, you can go to iTunes you can get those three songs and you're, you're done. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I've never heard anybody be like, you know, what's a really good song destination unknown by Marietta, which <laughs> cracks me up to say, because um, one of the guys on our, uh, uh, county board is named andrew marietta <laughs> and this was not him singing i was a little disappointed frankly i thought maybe he had a role as an 80s pop star you never know sometimes yeah so but yeah it's like this soundtrack was big enough that they brought it back in 99 and they added those songs that you know weren't should on have the been on there release. in the first place yeah should have been there in the first place otis redding jerry lee lewis uh what have you and then they brought it back again in 2006 with a bunch of garbage. Well, not garbage. Some of those songs are good, but like for no reason. Yeah. For really no reason. So, um, but this is, yeah, this is one that I, I just don't see. It doesn't, it doesn't hold up. The movie doesn't hold up. I think it hasn't aged well. No. Like this is definitely a, a film, like a signpost of, of 1986, but it really has not translated well 30 years later. Yeah, because again, it's it's weirdly misogynistic. It just it doesn't allow itself. I mean, if you do look at it as a gay love story, then it's pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. But it's you know, I don't think it's. it's I don't want to say it's fun because it, a lot of it's not fun. Yeah, there are scenes that are a lot of fun, but then they're also kind of accidentally entertaining. Yeah, and it's there's a lot of it's not stock footage, but there's a lot of gratuitous plane flying and yeah i get it it's a it's a basically a recruitment film for the navy um but after a while it you it feels like one of those b movies like you'd see on mystery science theater 3000 where they just like shoehorn in just a bunch of footage Mm -hmm. that is sort of i guess tangentially related but after a while you're like can we just get some actors in here and everybody looks the same and a lot of it I know there's all these other characters, you know, Merlin and Sundown and, but I can't tell them. Yeah. They all have their helmets down. You don't know who's who. 
The only way you can tell who's who is by the name on their helmet. But you're just like, I don't know who that character is. Like, I know that this is a character named Merlin, but... Like, I can't tell Slider from Wolfman, you know? Yeah. So. So. But, um... Hollywood and Stinger and Chipper. I don't fucking know. Yeah, like, you could tell me. You could be like, that scene where, like, Bullfoot comes in and hangs out with Celery. I'd be like, yeah, that part is good in that movie and i wouldn't know the difference i don't know like that scene where ethan hunt finally finally beat uh batman at volleyball like yeah (laughs) you know we're just like let's let's just call them by their their character names let's just make a movie where they play volleyball shirtless for two hours why didn't we just get that movie it would sell yeah well not now but uh, it would still sell and Val Kilmer doesn't look so great. Uh, but oh, that's let's... true. Tom, Cr- well, I mean, Tom Cruise will do anything for a, I don't, almost at a buck. He'll do anything. Yeah. Um. But Tom Cruise will always get a pass from me. I'm not a big Tom Cruise fan. I don't think he's particularly attractive. I'm not like into him. I think we've all established what Libby's type is. Mm-hmm. But um, my friend Kyle did uh, American Made with him he's in one of the first couple scenes i think he's about the first 15 minutes of the film and he said that tom cruise was so kind and so professional and really like worked with him didn't just like come on to his lines he introduced himself he asked about him um really really like nice guy so frankly tom cruise could eat a baby and i'd be like whatever he was nice to my friend kyle so he gets a pass forever even his fake stunt butt yeah like tom cruise I, from everything that I've ever heard or read about him, like he he seems like a, a real genuine dude, like yeah. a genuine weirdo, sure, but a genuine dude nonetheless. Yeah, like so I, you know, he can like I've I've never seen a Tom Cruise movie that I've liked, but I've tried to think how many I've seen. I think now that I'm thinking about it, I've generally avoided him. So until being forced to watch Top Gun, so. Uh. But so, yeah. yeah, that's that's Top Gun. So I, I think we've established uh, that this soundtrack really doesn't hang together. Yeah, and except for the fact that playing with the boys is so great and so infectious, mm-hmm, and yeah. we love it. Uh, Danger Zone, of course, also uh, got sort of a resurgence, as we alluded to in our first bit, uh, with Archer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, Archer kind of brought it back in a big, bad way. And actually, like, the one episode where they actually brought Kenny Loggins onto the show is a great episode. Yeah, so he refers to him as Grammy nominee and possible Faustian dealmaker, <laughs> which is the only way you should refer to Kenny Loggins from now on. Absolutely, yes. So, and I, I kind of like the Outlaw Country version of uh, Danger Zone. That's, yeah, that's pretty good. It's cute. Um, They're apparently re-recording it. They're probably going to get Blake Shelton to re-record it, Joe. You probably uh, like that, wouldn't you? Um, I mean, it might be good. I don't know. No. I'll give anything a chance. You know me. You're a monster. Um, but And? Yes, and? <laughs> but they're, they're going to re-record it for uh, Top Gun Maverick, which is the sequel. Oh, shit. Why don't see it, everybody? It's why do that? Yeah, like Tony, Tony Scott is dead. Like, just leave it alone. Yeah, just don't. Um, but I guess they're doing it, and they're gonna do a new version of Danger Zone. But again, like Danger Zone, for as traumatic as Joe and I's memories of Danger Zone <laughs> are, it's a fine song. It's it an earworm. Need, yeah, it doesn't need to be rewritten. It makes you feel super awesome and badass, and. 
just don't just leave it alone don't let some wispy girl cover it don't let blake shelton cover it don't let anybody cover it it's fine it's gonna be 21 pilots isn't it it's gonna be the 1975 it's gonna be guster comedy option it's gonna be the national (laughs) this you're just like i'm trying to decide which is more depressing goose's death or the conversation we just had (laughs) so Uh, yeah that's top gun it's definitely an 80s relic and the soundtrack kind of sucks yeah it's extremely 80s uh don't watch it again if you loved it it won't hold up but uh keep it in your heart Mm -hmm. good go to youtube watch the like opening credits of the film that's all you need. Watch yeah, Playing on... with the Boys. That's all you need. Yeah, watch Playing with the Boys a bunch of times because it's fucking great. That song, yeah. you do need Playing with the Boys. Put it on your workout mix. Trust me. You'll feel better. I I, I endorse this. Yeah. I endorse this message. Yeah, it's my favorite song to run to. So, so yeah, that's Top Gun, everybody. Uh, hey, Libby, uh, what's up next time on the podcast? I think we're actually going to take on probably our weirdest film. Uh, we're uh, going to do the soundtrack to Repo Man. Yeah, we're sticking with the 80s for a little while, folks. Uh, we're here. It's This is going to be a wild ride, so strap yeah. in. This one is really... It's been a while since I've seen Repo Man, uh, so I'm, I'm actually really excited. This is this is a really... This is a classic, just bizarro, wonderful film. Yeah, we're going to start digging into a little bit of what made the 80s so so damn cool when they weren't doing shit like Top Gun. Now, uh, I believe we have a special guest joining us next time. We we do. It's We have Neil Jacoby coming on from Sp- the Spall Talk podcast to come and talk about uh, uh, Repo Man at, at their request. So we're happy to have him, and it's going to oh, be a great time. I can't this wait. This is going to be really fun. So uh, until next time, if you have any questions or comments or uh, recommendations for future episodes, soundtracks you want us to cover, you can email those to us at ostpartypod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at ostparty. Uh, tw- uh, Libby, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me at Libby Cudmore on Twitter or you can find me on Instagram at record underscore Saturday. Where can they find you, Joe? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cordial Wombat and the same on Instagram. So for OST Party, I'm Joseph Wade. And I'm Libby Cudmore. Buy the ticket. Take the ride. <laughs> <laughs>